again, the opening to chapter 2, and we're going to finish up with verse 10 this morning. This is God's Word. It is eternally true. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts would be on you this morning that you would be glorified and we would be happy in them. In Christ's good name, amen. Good works are a difficult subject for many of us um, because we know that we are saved by grace through faith and that we are not saved by works. And so often what has happened in the last 500 years since we recovered that in the church yeah, the truth of being saved by grace. We have left good works to the side as though they are an unimportant side thing that has no relevance to the normal Christian life. But the reality is good works are just as much a part of the Christian life as the grace that bought us and saved us. And they are just as much the work of God as the grace that bought us and saved us. If you read anywhere in Scripture, but especially here in Ephesians, that um, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk. So we've talked about this idea of predestination a lot. The Spirit has put it in the first couple chapters of Ephesians. Again, not only is the day you were and justified and became a believer was that was predestined and the good works that you walk in in every Christian who has ever walked they will walk according to there's a famous quote Variously attributed to Michelangelo or Leonardo da Vinci and variously spoken, but it gets 
that looks moves that's a decent thinking about new but it's in40 days 
He went around. He did things. He appeared to people. He talked to people. He did stuff to show that he was alive. He ate. He slept. He said, put your fingers here. He did many things. He walked in the newness of his life. We too...
partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, the fact that He has granted to you new life, for that reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Do good works. Do good things. You are in Him, therefore do the things that a Christian does. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they, are, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom of our, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That Peter says, don't get wrapped around the axle of thinking, am I elect? Destined? Did he choose me? If you believe, walk like you believe. And by doing so, you will confirm your election. You will confirm the calling. We don't spend our lives trying to figure out if some secret mind of God has chosen us. We live our lives as Christians to prove that we are Christians. And so then you have to think, what are good works? How do I prove this? What, what is it that distinguishes what I do from the other guy, from the non-Christian? And sometimes outwardly there is very little that distinguishes. Outwardly you may look very similar to a moral pagan, someone who does not believe in God. You may work hard, they may work hard. You may smile, they may smile. You may help your neighbor, they may help their neighbor. The difference is found in two things, and it is this. The the goal of your works is the glory of God. We live our lives to make God known. We want to make God known. And so the question you have to ask is not, do I do good things? It's, do I desire God to be known? Do I desire God to be magnified? Do I want people to believe in the God I love? Do I do things so that people might see them, so that they might glorify my Father in heaven? You are like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are like a light. Don't hide it under a bushel. It wants to be seen. Therefore, let your good works shine before men, that they may see your God, see, glorify the God who is in heaven. Christians want God to be known. That distinguishes them from every pagan. And that's an inward sort of thing until it becomes outward. So you make it your inward goal as a Christian to glorify God. And it becomes an external reality. You begin to say things because you believe them about the God you serve. And you grow in this throughout your life. I've talked often about my grandpa, who was very open about his faith with everyone that I saw him interact with. 
waitress, cashier, customer at the furniture store. Do you go to church somewhere? Why don't you come to Riverview? That's where he went towards the end of his life. Meets at, I don't know what time, 10 a.m. It's way out on 110. Come on over. You can sit with us. Here's a tract. You know, do you know God? Everything. Now, I also happen to know the history of my grandpa and that he was not actually always like that. It was progressive. He had a desire to know that people would know the God he served. And as he grew older, the actions began to be more and more whole, complete. The person he was in Christ was being put together. The old self was being peeled away. The new self was becoming more evident. And he was becoming more Christ-like as he aged. This is what will happen. And that's what Peter says will happen, right? He says, going back to Second Peter there. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, what does increasing mean? More than they used to be. Well, how much is that? Well, more than it used to be. Um, I had an incident, I haven't even told Sarah about this, but you know, going down, we went down to Texas this past week to see Sarah's dad. Uh, so we drove down on Monday, spent three days, drove back on Friday. And on the drive back, I let the van get down to like, you know, the light was on, right? So we had to get gas. We pull over. I try to fill the tank. Some of you have had this happen to you. If it's really hot, which it was down in Texas, <laughs> 100 plus degrees every day we were there. Um, and you're very low on gas. The gas tank's filled with fumes. And it's difficult to pump the gas. Right? You've never, have everybody had this experience? You have to like vent the fumes out because there's so much vapor buildup that the pump keeps shutting off. And you can only pump about a half a gallon at a time. It's really annoying. I was getting very frustrated. You know, I've got a big tank in that stupid van, right? So it's... Tink, click, click, click. Then you like try and vent a little click, click, click. And I'm getting barely anything. But here's the deal. I knew I was getting some because what was happening on the pump behind me? The gallons were going up. Price was going up. It was increasing, even though I couldn't see it increasing. Couldn't feel it increasing was getting frustrated, wasn't increasing to my liking, but it was increasing. That is helpful for us to remember. The Christian life is different for all people. It doesn't mean you increase like this to everyone. It just means you increase. Sometimes you may become very frustrated with yourself for not increasing more rapidly. This is a normal experience in a Christian life. You have sins that you despise, that you know do not glorify God, and you hate them. And you wish you could just be done with them and move on with life. And they increase slowly. The death of the sin takes forever. It takes your whole Christian life. And it's still not dead at the end. And the godliness increase on the other side is just barely... There And you can't even feel 
and increasing until you look back 20 years and say, you know what? I actually am a little bit different than I was 20 years ago in this area of this sin particularly. This is what Peter means. He doesn't say you increase tenfold the first day and thirtyfold the next day. And then if you do that, you know you're a Christian. Just increase. The second thing that distinguishes, so that's the glory of God. That's the desire to make God known. It increases. It grows. The second thing that marks out the good work from the not good work. The good work from the guy down the street who hates God doing the same thing on the same day. is faith. Faith. This is the more difficult part. So doing the right thing, difficult, but you can do it. Even if you're not a Christian, you can do the right thing. Wanting to glorify God is a little bit easier because you're a Christian and you desire to please your Father. Doing it in faith is really the trickiest part. It's, it's really the part that, that really makes the difference. Because you have to be somewhat aware of your own weaknesses and sins. And a desire for the Spirit to overcome your weaknesses and sins. And it takes faith to do that. Oftentimes, what we do in life, even if we're sort of conscious of the glory of God, is we just go about our daily lives without any consciousness of our faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing things that are not seen. Faith is the hope for things longed for. Faith is believing that God can do the impossible. This morning in Sunday school, I was talking with a couple of guys who were there about a thing that is likely to fail. I'm going to talk to a, another pastor that I sort of am acquainted with and tell him that he ought to take care of some things. And it's almost assuredly not going to work. And I want to just absolutely give up and not do the thing because I don't want to make him mad at me and I don't want to create an enemy if he gets real mad and I don't have very much faith at all that it's going to do any good anyway. So what is going to distinguish me doing it as a good work versus doing it in the flesh? Faith. Faith. I know that to do it will glorify God. That's not the question I have. It's whether I believe God will actually use it to accomplish something. That's the difficult part. Do you believe that the things you're doing that glorify your God will actually do something? In the lives of the people around you. And this is the most difficult thing. And it's why Jesus gives such staggering language to faith. Have you ever thought about the ridiculousness of his statement? If you have even the faith of a mustard seed. You can say to that mountain. Go across the sea. And it will go. Do any of us believe we can move mountains? No, I don't believe that. And yet, that's the, that's the analogy that Jesus uses to teach us about what faith is and how difficult a thing it actually is. He says, a mustard seed of faith. Mustard seed of faith. Faith is such a challenge for us to believe that God will actually use the things that we do to make Him known that we just don't do them 
or do them without faith. We just do them out of rote goodness. Right? This is what happens in many ministries over the course of many years. You may start out very zealous that this is going to change the world. And then five years, ten years, twenty years comes and goes, and you have given out 10,000 meals, and not a single person has ever come to faith that you are aware of. Your faith gives out. And it comes down to that on a thousand smaller scales all the time. A thousand smaller scales. Faith to have a conversation that you think is going to lead to nowhere. And you do it anyway because you have faith that even there God could use even the fraction of a fraction of your faith to move a mountain. This is the good works that God has called us to do. We are not like so many pagans who just do nice things. Just move on with their lives. We are people of faith. We believe that God will use the things that we do, the things that we say, to move mountains. And he will. That's the thing. He actually will. And it's very difficult This is the work that we have to do. Because what we need to do in order for that faith to become real, that faith to become manifest, is we need to be like Jairus. No, is it Jairus who says, I believe, help my unbelief? I think it is. I believe, help my unbelief. We actually have to be self-aware of our own failings in our faith. We have to be honest enough with ourselves that we know... That the things that we do are not done with faith. We don't believe. We just act. We just do things that we think are right. And we know that God gets some glory and we desire that to happen. But we don't believe anything actually will come of it. And this is where the real struggle is for the Christian. How do I know it's the real struggle? There's this famous chapter in Romans... And basically, I'm going to read the chapter to us to close the sermon. This is a sign that God is at work in you to do good works. This is a sign that they are increasing. This is a sign that you are chosen and elect before God the Father. And if this is not happening, if this war is absent in your life, you are almost assuredly not a Christian. But if this is true... If this happens to you, rest assured, it is the normal Christian life regarding good works. Did that which is good, the law, then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So Paul is saying the commandments of God are good, and they act like a sort of magnification for our own sins. They let us see deeper into ourselves than we could on our own. The law of God does. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions For I do not do what I want, 
But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is the normal Christian experience regarding good works. You know what to do. You know why you ought to do it. And then you don't. Or you choose the opposite. Or you choose something worse. And then you hear, a Christian wouldn't do that. A Christian wouldn't do that. A Christian wouldn't do that. You must not be a Christian. This is the constant war of the Christian life. Constant war of good works. Who Christ made you to be and who you once were. Who you are as a new creature and who you were as an old one. Who you are as the new self and who you were as the old self. And they battle it out. And sometimes it seems inevitable that the old self is going to win and strangle to death the new one. And you think, what's the point? I'm done with this struggle. I don't want to fight this fight anymore. I have no faith for the end. So then, the great death blow to the old self. Thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. God has done it. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He will do it. You will walk. You will accomplish everything He has ever planned for you. This is our final battle axe against the lies of Satan and the lies of our flesh about the faith to walk in the ways God has for us. So go this week. Do the things you know you ought to do. Say the things you ought to say. Pray the things you ought to pray. Think about the glory of God. And pray that God would give you victory over your own flesh and so that you might walk by the Spirit and please God. To have faith that things will actually happen. That they won't just be the same, but you will move a mountain. That's hard to believe when the mountain is big and encroaching, but it's easy to believe when you know that Christ has overcome everything, including death itself. This is our faith. This is who we are. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Let me pray before we take communion.